Church, before we're going to go into the Word tonight, I'm going to talk to you tonight about two words, crossover. But uh, before I'm going to do that, you know, I have about, I think I have nine flights left for this year. I have a long one to South Africa, 16 hours uh, in three weeks' time. Um, and I will be in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and uh, I will also be in New York State. And um, so God is good. But be before I'm going to do that, uh, every, every now and then we go to Africa. And in December, January, this coming, well, within three weeks, I will be in Africa. And um, I asked Pastor, and, and this is what we do, and we've done this in your church previously. And I really apologize for doing this because I actually feel awkward even doing it. Because I don't want to take too much time and put the focus on our ministry because it's not, it's not about us. It's about this church. Um, but what we do is when we go to Africa, we try to register a few people that will partner with us for two months or one month. In this case, it's for two months. It's December uh, this year, which is unfortunately next month. And then January of next year. If you are interested to help us just for two months to be uh, a partner, um, on this little card it says uh, $15, $30, $50, and then other amounts. But if, if you would be interested to help us for two months, the, the only reason we do it is when we go to Africa. Now, I know these ministries, they try to register partners to, uh, forever, and, and, and that's not what I want to do because I, wanna, I don't want to put a pressure on this church. Uh, I told Pastor tonight, and I've said it from many, many pulpits, that if I find out that I'm a financial burden to a church, I would rather give you back all the money you've given because I'd rather leave without anything in my pocket and I have a good name than leaving with a bad name and I walk with other people's money in the ministry. It doesn't come to me even it goes to the ministry. So I just want you to know that. That is how I think, and I will... I will really do it. If I hear one hint that somebody's unhappy, or then I will talk to pastor and I will do such a thing. So if you can help us tonight to be a partner for December or January, would you raise your hand? And uh, Jojo, would you try and just pass this out quickly? And, and again, I apologize that, that I even do this now. Just raise your hand and do me a favor. Will you fill it in right now? And then uh, borrow a pen and then... You can just raise your hand again, and then we will pick it up. I really appreciate this. You are under no pressure to do this, but this is only for you guys that feel like you would like to help us over December and January. I told you about the Crusades for Christ team. I told you about the El Shama House. You can actually Google El Shama House. You can Google it, and you will immediately find it. Put in there El Shama House for Abandoned Babies, Primrose, Johannesburg, and the whole thing will come up. It's an old house in a very, very dangerous area. What happened there is that they have a big box where prostitutes has gone that far and even put little toddlers in the box. And they found the kid there that's three months and two months old. Uh, and I've been there in September with my wife. It's sad to see it. But at least there's a place where street women will know I don't need to throw the child away. There's, there's a place. If I, if I dump the child in that box, they will take that child. And um, we will bless this house within two weeks. Maybe next week. I don't know when my daughter will do the transfer. And we will bless them again early next year. So uh, thank you for helping us. Is there anybody else that would like to have a card? Just raise your hand and uh, we will make it happen. Um, nobody. Okay. Now, Jojo, you need to watch out when they are finished because when they're finished, you need to pick up the card. Otherwise they're going to forget. Uh, I know what it, how it works with people. So, uh, and we are all the same. If you finish, just raise your hand. And by the way, on the end of the card, there's a little, uh, piece that you can tear off that little piece over there. You can just fold it and tear it off, put it in your Bible. And it says, good news to the nations, uh, P.O. Box, and blah, blah, blah. Unfortunately, my picture is not on there. Otherwise, it would have been worth much more. But uh, <laughs> uh, the old man. Um, but um, just tear it off. And uh, if you don't tear it off, then it's a sign that you don't like us. So uh, don't give the card back unless you tear it off. 
Raise your hand when you're finished, and Jojo will pick it up. Thank you so much. And I've got another brother here that's helping us. Thank you. Thousand is spelled T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D. I need to keep you awake. Um, they told me if you eat turkey, you get sleepy. So I'm just guarding myself against falling asleep here. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Everybody finished? Anybody still busy? Just uh, thank you, sir. Uh, that gentleman there is finished. Um, I really want to thank you for doing this. I really appreciate you. Thank you for your patience. Um, and there's a few books left. If you want the book, you are so welcome to go and get it. And um, once again, Pastor Brown, thank you for this wonderful open door. Uh, and let me just say this to you, that um, your giving does make a difference. You know, this afternoon, uh, this coming Thursday, uh, today, two days from now, we will have a board meeting. And uh, I had to wrote a little, write a little message uh, to, our, to the board in which I just said, I'm so grateful for churches and partners that the Lord has raised up to help us. Because humanly, it's impossible for me to do this unless people come behind us. So thank you uh, for believing in the message that we bring. Amen. Anybody still busy? Um, there's someone over there. Um, must be a big amount that she's trying to fill in there. That's why she's taken so long. I mean, I'm just thinking out loud. Thank you, uh, Brother Jojo. Anybody else still? Okay, you're still busy there. That's okay. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. And uh, you guys still waiting on somebody there? Yeah, okay. Take your time. Anybody that want to testify about being an interrupter? How many of you love the interrupting thing last night? Okay. One of the ladies brought her book to me tonight, and she wants me to sign the book. And when I opened the book, right in front, she wrote, I'm an interrupter. <laughs> and uh, praise the Lord. Okay. Okay. Sherry, did you fill in a card? Because you're kind of late now. Um, make sure that you fill in a card. Okay. No, don't do it. <laughs> I think your husband filled in one. <laughs> okay. Okay, praise the Lord. I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, and then we will go also go back to Joshua 3 later on. I want to talk to you about uh, something that, that we all do at some point in our life. Number one, uh, when, I, when I speak to you, I don't speak to you as an evangelist. Um, the Lord uses me strongly as apostolic prophetic voice, strength in churches, and leadership. Now, we are all on a journey. doesn't matter who you are. You are on a journey. How many of you agree with me? Uh, and uh, every journey looks different. But the fact of the matter is we are on the journey and God knows about it. Now, um, when you look at 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, you will read a very familiar story of Elijah and Elisha and how Elijah numerous times said to Elisha that uh, the Lord is sending him to a, a, a new city. Uh, let us just read verse 1 and 2 just as an introduction. It says, And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, and Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now, we're not going to look at the different cities tonight. We're not going to look at what every city meant. Um, and, and, and what is the re revelation uh, about that city? We're not going to look into that. What I want to say here is this, that Elijah was a phenomenal prophet, and um, he did 16 major miracles. Elisha was the younger prophet, and Elisha was so impressed with Elijah that he decided that he's going to walk with him. And uh, when you read all these verses up to verse 9 and 10, you will see that it was quite a journey. And, it, and, and when you read the scriptures, it's almost boring to read it because the old man Elijah, and I hope you did not refer to me uh, when you spoke to pastor to say that because that's how I got the message that you spoke to him. Yeah, 
Uh, no, 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 don't, don't, don't play um, uh, 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 not guilty now. She confirmed to me that's what happened. Amen. Jojo's wife told me what happened here. So uh, pray for me, church. This is what I need to work with every time I come to this church. <laughs> Between these gentlemen um, and uh, th this is what they do. Now, it's, it's very boring because every time Elijah said to Elisha, the Lord has sent me. To the next city. Not the Lord has sent us. The Lord has sent me. And uh, then every time Elisha said to, Eli to, to, to Elijah, he said, um, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you travel with somebody for a thousand miles, and uh, you know that this person is going on a journey for a thousand miles, and you say to that person, Well, I would like to drive with you because I need to, be, I need to go to the same city. And that person say to you, well, I, I, I don't think that you should really travel with me because um, the Lord has really sent me on a great mission and, and I would like to do this all by myself. And you say, well, I don't care what the Lord told you. Uh, I, I want to be in your car and I'm going to drive with you for a thousand miles. You can imagine that's not going to be a good journey because on the back seat you will have somebody that you don't want to be on the back seat. And the guy on the back seat will probably feel like the guy, Elijah, who's driving the car, he doesn't want me here. And uh, that's not good. But that's, that's kind of what happened there. But you know what, church? On our journey with the Lord, we will have many, many reasons not to complete the journey. But uh, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit because it's not everybody that gets it. It's those that are persistent and following the Lord. And then... Uh, the neat thing about the whole chapter is this, that uh, at a certain point, there was a crossover. Everybody say crossover. Now, uh, every journey that God puts us on is great, but every journey leads towards a crossover. You cannot just start on a journey and never have a crossover because uh, crossovers is very important. And we're going to look at another crossover later on tonight. And uh, so they, they completed the journey, and in verse 9, and, and so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha. Now, this is the first time that Elijah now changes his language. He said to Elisha, ask what I may do for you. Now, if there's somebody that you want to, to ask you that question or give you that liberty to say ask, it's Elijah. And the moment they crossed over, Elijah said, ask what, what I may do for you. And, and, and when you look at this whole journey and the relationship and the crossover, it works the same with the Lord. And I can give you a lot of scripture references to show that God expects us to be faithful, to be persistent. And... Um, so he said, ask what I might do for you before I'm taken away. Uh, and Elisha used the moment and he said, please give me a double portion. Now, we don't, want, we don't want to talk about double portion. All I want to say to you is this, that in God's world, in the world of the Spirit, there's, different, there's more than one measuring stick. There's measures. There's layers upon layers. Psalm 133 talks about the commanded blessings of God. Not only just blessings, but commanded blessings. And, and I want you to be an individual and a church that will not just settle for the ordinary, but a people that will settle for a, a double measure, a, a measure upon the norm. Don't, don't just go for normal. And, and I'm not only referring to spiritual mantles. I'm referring to everything in life. And um, so he said, ask. And he said, uh, uh, and, and then he said to him, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it shall not be so. And so it happened as they continued and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses and of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind and Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, a chariot of Israel and the, its horsemen. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. Um, I want to say that before you can pick up the new, you must first destroy the old. 
You know, many people want to hang on to what God did in 1940, but they also want to walk into what God is doing in 2015. No, if you want to walk in the new, tear up the old. Come on, God is not so bankrupt that you need to hang on to the old and the new. Trust, when God gives you the new, trust the new full-heartedly. So he tore up his old, old clothings and, and, and he went back and he stood by the bank of the Jordan and he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen and, and he said, where is the, the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the water, it was suddenly divided this way and that way. And Elijah, Elisha crossed over. Now you must understand, they crossed over to the other side and when Elisha picked up that mantle, he crossed over and he came back over the river. Now, what I want to emphasize here is this, that when you look at the journey, you will see that in Bethel and all the cities, there were the sons of the prophets. And the sons of the prophets, every time they spoke to Elisha, they tried to talk Elisha out of it. Uh, uh, let's look at verse 4. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me unto Jericho. But he said, as the Lord, your God lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho, and you will also see the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel. Every city had the sons of the prophets. And what did they say? They, every time they said to Elisha, do you not know that your Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered and he says, yes, I know, keep silent. So on your journey, there will always be people that will try to talk you out of it. There's always people that will try to talk you out of being serious with God. I remember when I started off as a young man and I had a praise team that traveled with me and how I always spoke about the promises of the Lord and what God's going to do in my ministry. Now it is 30 years later, and uh, some of them that meet me after all these years say, we remember how you always told us about the promises that God's going to fulfill, and you always told us about the nations and that you will ultimately go outside the borders of South Africa. Now they remind me. But you see, I could have allowed them to talk me out of it. But I'm telling you, when you hang on to the promises of the Lord, there will come a day that you will cross over and you will pick up the mantle and you will cross over back. Now watch what's going to happen here. The Bible says, and when Elisha crossed over, now this is the second time. The first time he crossed over where Elijah used the mantle. The second time when he crossed over, he used the mantle that fell from Elijah. There's going to come a time that God's going to throw the mantle at you and make sure you are there when it falls. Make sure you did not uh, fall out of the race a week before the time. There's a Kairos moment that is going to come, and when it comes, you need to be there. Now watch this. The Bible says, and, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha, and they came to meet him, and they bowed to the ground before him. Now watch this. Th th those are one of the sons. There were three groups of the sons of the prophets. They were one of the groups that said to him, don't you know that your master is going to be taken away from you? And the moment they saw that Elisha picked up that mantle and they came over, they were the first people that had to admit the spirit of Elijah came on Elisha and they bowed down before him. Now, church, you don't run after the mantle so that people can bow down before you. But there will come a season in your life, if you've been faithful, that people will come to you and say, man, I'm learning from you because you have st you've, you've been on the journey for a long time and, and you've crossed over. We could have crossed over by, with you, but we chose not to because we did not really believe it's going to happen. We thought when God will take away Elijah, nobody's going to get the mantle. No, 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 sir. There is such a thing as the transfer of anointing. Uh, why are you here tonight? Because you believe in the, tr in the transfer of what can happen here. Impartation. You, uh, if, if I've seen people in my life, they will go to a meeting where there's a satanic activity, and then they will play glassy-glassy, or they will play certain demonic games. 
And uh, then they were coming to our meetings. I, one day I, I, there was a lady in my meeting, and I said to her, I said, you have been in a demonic service. And she says, how do you know it? I said, I can pick up. You've opened up your spirit. You see, when you go to a meeting like that, you become what happens in that meeting. You can go to a demonic service and pick up evil spirits and things that will come upon you. Because impartation is a reality. Show me your friends. I'll tell you who you are. Now, we are here tonight in a meeting where we talk about the anointing. We're talking about crossing over. And you cannot sit in a meeting like this and this has no effect on you. Uh, 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 and I can say so much about it. Before I ever start to prophesy to people, I rubbed shoulders with a lot of prophetic people in my life. Okay, now let's go to Joshua chapter 3. In Joshua chapter 3, we have another story of crossing over. And I just want to say a few things about crossover. Come on. God has not put you on a journey never to cross over. God has not put you on a journey to fall asleep and, and it becomes a boring situation. When, when, when you are faithful on your journey, doesn't matter what it is, there is a moment of crossing over. Now, in Joshua chapter 3, we uh, read about Joshua and how he's going to lead two million Jews into the promised land. But between, uh, uh, before they could step into the promised land, there was a crossover involved. There's always a crossover because God wants to test your faith. Uh, now, you must understand, church, that Israel walked for 40 years in circles. And uh, when you walk in a circle for 40 years, it's a sign that you have no direction. Come on. <laughs> if, you, if you walk for 40 years and, all you, and it's the same old, same old, same old, same old, come on. Even in our worship, even in our songs, in everything we do in church, be careful. Uh, it's good to come to church every Sunday, but let's make sure that we are progressive moving forward. Now, when they, when they were moving in circles for 40 years, they had the pillar uh, of fire and they had the cloud. And how many of you agree with me that when you have a pillar of fire and a cloud by day, that's two incredible signs. Now, there's other signs that God did for them. But signs and wonder doesn't mean you should stay there. Come on. Signs and wonder doesn't mean we need to build a tabernacle here. Although they had signs and wonders, the promise was not where the signs and wonders happened. The promise was on the other side of the Jordan. And I want to say to you, if you had great times in the Lord and you had great signs and wonders, be careful that the enemy doesn't keep you there. Just because something great happened here doesn't mean you need to stay here. Come on, what is a sign and a wonder today is not a sign and a wonder for tomorrow. And, uh, and, 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 and that's why, you know, they walked in circles for 40 years. They had the pillar of fire. They had the cloud. And they probably thought, man, we need to stay right here. Uh, because this is where mom and dad showed us how to follow Jesus, and this is where we started in 1940, and this is how we did it in 1940, and that's how we got our miracles in 1940. But now you're in 2015. And uh, you should have crossed over by now. And uh, so the Lord said to Joshua, okay, Joshua, uh, I want you to cross over. And uh, now let's, let's have a look at this. And Joshua rose early in the morning and he set out from uh, Acacia Grove and he came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and he lodged there before he crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the, the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest and, and, and the Levites bearing it, you shall set out from your place and you shall go after it. Now, the neat thing is this. Uh, where they circled for 40 years and where God had the promised land was not really far from one another. It was only a few miles. Come on. Some people think when I step over, I'm going to step over into something that's so far away from where I, come on. Sometimes you are this close to a breakthrough. But God will not allow your breakthrough to happen where you circled for 40 years. 
Because if, you, if God gives you the miracle where you had circled for 40 years, there's no faith involved. And God says, I cannot give you anything unless there's faith involved. Because the only thing that God gets out of it is he's pleased when you use faith. So God decided, even if it's just a few miles away from where they are, I want them to use faith. How many of you believe that your next step of breakthrough could just be a mile away and you don't even know it? Your next breakthrough in business could just be one block away and you don't even know it. Come on. That's how close it is. And uh, but, everybody say but, there will be a crossover involved. Now, uh, and they commanded the people and said that you should follow the ark. And then in verse 4 it says, and there shall be a space between you and it. Now, they are talking about the ark. So what I want to say to you is keep a space between you and the Holy Spirit. Let us respect the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can get us into where God wants us to go into. And that is for business. That is for every aspect of life. And uh, so, um, and then the Lord said in verse 4, uh, the last part, it says, Do not come near it, that you may know whether, uh, which way you must go, for you, have not, for, you have, for you have not passed this way before. For you have not passed this way before. You see, God will never put your next breakthrough into a place of familiar, something that is familiar. It's always in the unknown. That's why he says, you have never gone this way before. So what God is saying is, uh, you must walk a walk, even if it's just crossing over a river. You, uh, there must be faith involved. And uh, I don't like that. The flesh don't like it. My mind don't like it. But that's the way God like it. Come on. And this is not Facebook where we can like things and unlike things. Amen. You know Facebook is a horrible place. You like something, and if you don't like it, then you just go back three days later and you just unlike what you liked. Everybody saw you liked it, and all of a sudden you don't like it anymore. Anyway. You know, some people do that with God. One day they like him. The next day he does something. He says, I don't like this anymore. Well, most of us don't like faith, but I'm telling you, most of us, we don't like feeling insecure, but God says, when you feel insecure, that's a sign that you trust me. Amen? Okay. Thank you for excitement. It's overwhelming, and uh, <laughs> I, need to, I need to get a few shots in here before I go. Now watch this, verse 5, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. For tomorrow, you see, church, in your crossover season, God will do wonders. Some people say, well, I don't see wonders anymore. It's because you're not crossing over. Come on. And, uh, and Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. Cross over before the people. Now, there's, there's a twofold message here. Number one, God always expects a leader to cross over before the people. Before the people. Not, not behind the people, not after the people, before the people. Now, we are all leaders. If you're a mother and a father, you, you need to cross over before your children. Come on. They need to see in you, mom and dad are cross over. Uh, uh, they, they are people that cross over. There's not a word like crossoverers. They are, you know, you, she's, you're an interrupter, but you cannot say that you're a crossoverer because I've got teachers here, and they probably, you know, they probably screen every word that I say in English, and I probably fail all the tests. And now her husband even says, yes, I don't care one bit. Amen. Hallelujah. If I fail the test, God will still approve me, Brother Shane. Yes, yes, thank you. Can I get an amen there? Yes, thank you, Jesus. And your wife is a teacher herself. That's why you don't, didn't bring her tonight, because otherwise she will judge me too. Yeah, thank you. I knew that. Okay, come on. I need to deal with these young people before I go, man. Okay, take up your covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant, and they went before the people. Now, church, it's not easy to get 2 million Jews. Do you know what 2 million people look like that walk in circles for 40 years? And you want them to sing a new song? Well, we didn't sing those kind of songs in our church because we are in this church since 1910 and we sing the songs of 1910 and 11 and 12. Well, you're not in 1910 anymore. We need to do something new. Thank you. I'm not talking to people in this church. I'm talking to people in other places. Now watch this. 
<laughs> and the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, but I was, I'm now with you. And you shall command the priest to bear the ark of the covenant, and saying, When you have come to the edge of the water, I like that. He said, You shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, saying that when you have come to the edge of the water, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now, church, I don't have time to preach on living on the edge. How many of you realize that if I try to walk on the edge here, I can get hurt tonight? Come on. The Bible says, I want the priest to get to the edge of the water. And sometimes it's on the edge. It's, it's, it's at that moment where, where you're going to step into something that you've never been into where God will rescue you with a miracle. Come on. Some of, some of us need to learn how to walk on the edge. Come on, on the edge. It's all about balance. And, and then you will see that. It says there in verse 13, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the, of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. So sometimes God will not split the uh, resistance or God will not open a way until leadership or, and we are all leaders, until we get on the edge. Come on, you know, many times we want God to open up the river, and I'm not even at the river. God says, no, I don't know whether I can trust you. You see, when they got into the water, what happens? The moment you put your feet into water, you open yourself up to lose your balance. Because you can, you can, you, it's slippery in water. And, some, and when the priest had to get into the water, they basically had to say, I'm willing to lose my balance, but I'm trusting God. Come on. We're living in a day where nobody wants to lose their balance. Nobody wants to be just, uh, exposed. Nobody wants to slip and slide because they will look weak. But God says, I want you to get into the water, expose yourself, and I will help you to cross over. A crossover is always a challenging moment, but it's always a God thing. It's a God moment. And I want to say to all of you tonight, on your journey, the Lord says, I'm bringing you to a crossover. A crossover on how you do worship, Shane. A crossover on how you teach. A crossover on how you preach. I, I remember uh, in 1988, uh, yeah, it was in, uh, no, it's not in 88, it was in 86. In 1986, uh, uh, I was in a church in South Africa, and I was a pastor there. And, and I, between me and the Lord, I had a battle with preaching. And I, and I, I couldn't figure out what is prophetic and, and how do I preach. And, 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 and the Lord teach me, taught me what is prophetic preaching, and he opened up the scriptures to me. And, and, but I was in a crossover moment where I had to go into the pulpit. Nobody knew it. I was, I was going to the pulpit. I prepared the whole week. And the Lord said to me, you're not going to talk about anything that you've prepared. I'm going to give you a new scripture. And then he gives me a new scripture. And the Lord said, I want you to, I didn't know I was in a crossover. I was in a crossover because I said to the Lord, Lord, I cannot go into the nations and preach as much as you said I will preach. And then I struggle to, I cannot preach a whole library to the church. Uh, Lord, I'm going to do so many meetings. I need to learn how to speak on the spirit of the moment. And you'll have to do something with my mouth. And you will have to do something with my eyes. But when you are used to all typical uh, Bible school, religious kind of way they talk, taught you how to prepare a sermon and you need to cross over into prophetic preaching, there comes a moment that you lose your balance. You don't know where you are. But it's in that moment when you lose your balance, your feet is in the water, that something comes out of your mouth and you say, my God, something just happened with my tongue and I'm now preaching different than what I've preached before. And when that happened, I had a doctor in South Africa. He's got a doctorate in theology and he called me one day and he said, I want to see you. I said, what do you want to talk to me about? He said, I want to come to your house. And he said this to me. He said, I want to see how do you prepare your sermons. I said, oh God, I've done something wrong. 
Because he, I must have said something wrong. He says, no, sir, I want to talk to you. He said, because you see things in the Scripture. You say things that I've never thought about, that I've never seen in my whole life. And when he told me that, I said, Lord, that was the crossover thing. And it took me for 12 months to cross over. And I'm telling you, church, I never want to go back to the old style of preaching. I never want to go back to that because it's boring. Okay. I'll try to calm down, Brother Brown, I got so excited. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I want to come back to this church. I'll try to behave now. Oh, hallelujah. I want to make an impression on the people, Shane. I need to impress the people, man. <laughs> oh, man. How, do you, how many of you love my humor? This is all I have. I mean, I don't have other kind of humor. That, that's, that's my humor. Amen. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Of course. I love it, too. And... Uh, <laughs> So the Bible says, uh, the priests who bear the ark, they got their feet in the water. And the Bible says, now the water cut over, uh, just, just, just cut open. Amen? Isn't that powerful? Um, now, let's go to chapter 4. And I'm almost finished. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over. When all the people had completely crossed over. You see, no people in America will cross over unless leaders cross over. And that is my biggest problem at the moment. It's not every pastor that understands we need to cross over from, from the way we've done church to the way that the Holy Spirit wants us. You see, the upper room. It's not everybody that, that grab a hold of the upper room because, well, what is this about the upper room? I mean, I read about the upper room in chapter 2. No, sir. If you don't have a revelation of what happened in the upper room, the upper room will just be a lounge experience for you. There's a big difference between lounge and boardroom and upper room. But anyway, so... Uh, we need to cross over, even in America. And, and what I like about the church and your pastor is he understands the apostolic prophetic. Do you know that there's churches in America that if you still use the word apostolic prophetic, they will think uh, you are from the moon. Uh, I mean, they, they have no idea what you're talking about. In the meantime, it's so biblical. Thank God this is not a church that still battle with that crossover. I mean, do you know what it feels like when you go into an environment and you're going to talk to uh, 20 leaders next week and you need to be careful to use the word apostolic and prophetic because some people will, will just fall out of the conference call because they will feel, I'm weird. In the meantime, they are weird. In, in the meantime, I crossed over 20 years ago and they don't even know they are still on the other side stuck in a circle. They've got signs, they've got wonders, and as long as they've got signs and they've got wonders, they say, well, it must be God's will for us to be here because we've got a pillar and we've got a cloud. No, sir, you, you say goodbye to the pillar and the cloud. You need to cross over. There's a land of promise on the other side, the land of milk and honey. I don't want to hang on to a cloud and a pillar of fire when I can already live and sit in honey. Get my CD on honey and you will really be blessed. Okay. Oh, Lord, help me. When all the people crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourself 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourself 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. Take for yourself 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. Take for yourself 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. Out of the midst of your crossover. 12 stones. Why? They had to pick up 12 stones, and on the other side, they had to build a memorial. You see, church, your greatest testimonies will come out of your crossover. Come on. Your greatest testimonies will come out of your insecurity. Your greatest testimony will come when you say, man, I'm losing my balance. God, can you, God, that's where your testimonies come from. God said, before you leave the Jordan while you're in the moment of your crossover. Make sure you pick up a testimony. Make sure you pick up a healing. Make sure you pick up a, a, a story so that when you take it to the other side and your children ask you, Mom, how did you get from over there to here? You can show them the stone. You can show, tell them a story about a miracle. That's just the, once upon a time, son, we, we lived on that side. We had a 
struggle. We had battles. We had issues. We had a few signs. But then the Lord said to you, your, my, your, your, your father and myself, we need to cross over. And then you came on this side. We had you on this side. But in order for you, son, to understand where your mom and dad came from, we've got the stone that we picked up when all hell break loose. And we want to show you a testimony that Jesus You shall carry them over with you, and you shall leave them in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, one man from every tribe. Come on, one man from every tribe. Don't let your tribe ask you, where is our stone? Don't let your tribe come to you and say, Jojo, where is the stone that you were supposed to pick up so that us that are connected to you at least have some evidence that you had a walk with the Lord previously. You cannot just come and lead me. Where's your stone, leader? Come on, Shane. I want to see whether you have a stone. Amen? I don't want the next generation to ask me for my stone, and I don't have it. The stone is the, is the confirmation you had a crossover. And, uh, and Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you uh, take up a stone on his shoulder. And according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. This may be a sign among you. Come on, church. We need signs amongst us. We need signs amongst us. I can honestly say, and I say it by the grace of God, maybe I did not pick up all the stones in my crossovers, but I do have a few stones. I do have a few stones. Many, many years ago, I, I told you the story. I told you the story. Many, many, you will find it in my book. Many, many years ago in 19, I think it was in 1987, um, uh, 88, 89, 1989, when the Lord spoke to me and I had no ministry and I was just seeking the Lord. You remember the story when God said to me, one night I want you to buy a tent. And I said, Lord, how big? And the Lord said, make sure it's, it's at least, it can take 3,000 people. And, and I said, Lord, 3,000 people? I don't even preach to three. How can I buy a tent that sees 3,000 people? The Lord said, well, you're in your crossover. I was already in my crossover. And the Lord said, I want you to pick up a, a, a memory. I want you to pick up a, a testimony. And if you're not going to pick it up, the next generation is not going to believe you. You see, if I did not pick up that tent those days, I could not have wrote it in my, in my book and say, there was a time that God tested me to the core. And God keep on saying for three, four weeks, I want you to buy a tent. I want you to buy a tent. The Lord says 3,000 at least. Well, I ultimately bought a tent that sees 3,500 people. And when I bought the tent, you remember the story? All of a sudden, everybody in the nation called me. Andre Fancel, Andre Fancel. They had never had my number. They haven't had my cell phone number. It's amazing how quickly they find your number when you, they heard that you just picked up a stone. When they heard that you just stepped out in faith. When they heard that you just crossed over. And they heard the story about this massive tent. And when they heard the story about this massive tent, I never had sound. I never had electricity. I never had chairs. I never had a truck to move the tent i just have the tent if i want to move it i need to rent a truck to move it from point a to point b so i, I hardly moved the tent and they had it up a few times and we took a few pictures and other people put it up other people got the chairs other people got the truck and i just preach in the tent and then other guys preach in the tent about three or four times but they heard the story about the tent and then they said brother andre we heard that you now have a tent i said yes i now have a tent i never had one but now i have one and they said well will you come and do meetings for us. I said, man, I cannot bring the tent. It's too big for your church. They said, no, no, we don't want you to bring the tent, but we want you to come. Next guy called me. They said, we heard you bought a tent. I said, yes, I bought a tent. I said, and they said, we heard it's over 3,000 people. I said, yes, it can seat over 3,000 people. You know what happened? When they heard about my tent, they all thought Andre Foncel has an incredible ministry. He's now attracting thousands of people and immediately the Holy Ghost came and the Holy Ghost told them how mighty I am. In the meantime, when the first guy called me, I did not tell him I have no bookings. Hallelujah. Nobody's inviting me. But you know what? In my crossover, when I was all by myself and nobody was with me and nobody believed in me, I picked 
up a stone. And when I picked up the stone, South Africa heard about my stone. And that was in my book. You can thank God I only asked $15 for the book. It cost me almost my life. I should have asked more. <laughs> it's my last service. I'm going to mess you up. I'm leaving after the service. This is my notes. <laughs> Come on. In your crossover, you're going to pick up a testimony that nobody can ever take away from you. You can never take away my testimonies. You can never take away my crossovers. I never got a testimony before I crossed over. I first had to lose my balance. I first had to lose my composure. I first had to lose my identity to a certain degree. And say, God, I'm trusting you because, God, how do I get into that part of my life? How do I get into the promise? And God says, to get into, my, into the promise, you'll have to get your feet in the water, but make sure you pick up a testimony. By the way, I will make sure you get a testimony out of your crossover because that will be the confirmation you had a crossover. Okay. Then you shall answer them. Or let me read verse 6. So that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come. When your children ask in time to come. Come on. You still have time, friends. You still have time, Jojo. But don't let your children grow up. And ask you questions 10 years and 15 years from now. And you say, sorry. I don't have any stones that can prove that I'm a man of faith. But in that day when they ask you, you can say, did daddy tell you a story? How we arrived at this point. Isn't that beautiful, church? Isn't that beautiful? Man, I pray God gives you a special husband. Is this your daughter? Man, she's beautiful. I pray that God will give you somebody so special. Amen. So special. She deserves the best. I don't know why. I just want to say, Lord, give her the best. She's got expensive taste already, Lord Jesus. And, Lord, she needs somebody that has a lot of money, and she's different than her brothers and sisters. And, Father, I pray that the guy will have not nickels and dimes, but, Lord, I pray that he will have money. Bless her, Lord, I pray. And don't give anything to your mom and dad. They've got enough. Amen. It's for you, amen. I'm just teasing. You can help them. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask in time to come, saying, what does these stones mean to you? What does, come on, church. My stone will mean nothing to you. But my daughter knows these stones that mean something to me. A few years ago when I, and, and, and really it was probably about 10 years ago because five years after we arrived in America, uh, I was in Atlanta one day and I found a box in the storeroom that I've never unpacked since we arrived in America in 2001. And when I unpacked the box, I, I look into the box and what came out of the box? A picture of my tent that they took in 1940, that means when Adam and Eve was born. I looked at the cars that stand outside the tent. Man, it looks like little dinky toys, old little, uh, I don't know what, it's just not, it's just, just pieces of junk standing outside the tent. I said, Lord, this is the tent. I never even knew I had this picture. And when I saw the picture, I remember they gave me the picture. They took a picture and put their names underneath it, all the, uh, the pastors that used it, as a gift back to me to say thank you. That's the only picture I have of my incredible tent. And when I saw it, I said, Lord, this is my stone. Okay. And you shall answer them. 
that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Watch what it says, that the Jordan, uh, the waters were cut off before the ark, before the ark. Son, daughter, I have the stone because there was a time that we could not make it from point A to point B, but the Holy Spirit moved in front of us and he showed us the way. And as he showed us the way over in our crossover, we picked up this testimony so that when you grow up, son, I can say to you, thus far the Lord has led me. Now you go further and show your children your stone when it's their time to ask you, where is your stone? What am I saying to you? You're on a journey. And there's going to come moments that you're going to cross over and it's going to be your testing times. Crossover is never easy. There's crossovers in my life. I never want to do it again. I never want to resign my church in January 87 again and walk out in faith. I never want to do that again. I never want to do it again. If I tell you the detail, it's not easy. I'm telling you, it's humiliating. It's very humiliating. But I had to go through it. But out of that humiliating process of crossing over, after God's promise, I picked up some stones that I thank the Lord until this very day. So church, crossovers is necessary. And I want to emphasize again, don't stay with yesterday's signs. Like Israel. Don't think because God gave you a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. Yesterday, that's a sign that you need to stay there. No. They had all the signs. But Joshua said, there's more than just clouds. And there's more than pillars of fire. There is a promised land of milk and honey. But to get there, we will have to cross over. What am I saying to you? God says, I'm with you. I'm going to help you. You will cross over. You will never cross over and be humiliated and lose it. Elisha, even Elijah said to Elisha, you've asked a hard thing. And even Elijah said to Elisha, it's not for me to say that you will get the mantle. But if so, it'll come your way. Go and read the scriptures. So there will come times that doubt will come into you and say, I wonder, should I? Could I? Would I? Oh, yeah. I had many should I, could I, would I. I had many of that. But today I can say, thank God. I've got some stones. I've got a memorial that I can only give God the praise. And I want to say to this church, God wants you to build a memorial in this city. So that when this city started to ask questions, come on, every city, let me listen to this word. Every city in, 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 in America, you know, every church in America that's in cities will have to answer questions sooner or later. You cannot just build a church and think, well, we're just going to do the normal thing. No. The city, the people is going to ask questions. Why are you in the city? What have you done for the city? What is your mandate? What is your calling? Then you need to say, we are building a memorial to the glory of God that we can bring sinners over into the land of, of, of light. Come on, out of, from darkness into light. Come on. How many of you believe tonight the Lord has brought you to this place so that you can cross over into the perfect thing that God has for you? God, the crossover is always into something better. The crossover is always into a promotion. The crossover is always going higher. It's always better. After three years, when they've seen my tent and they heard about my tent, you know what? 
I said to the Lord one day, I said, Lord, I don't really use the tent. The Lord said to me, sell it, mission completed. I sold my tent. I think I wrote it in the book very diplomatically. God fooled a nation and God fooled leaders with my tent. I never had a ministry to fill up the whole tent. Now I can reveal the truth. But you know what? I've learned a lesson from God. Watch what he said to Joshua. He said, I will make you great in the eyes of the nation. Go and read it. That's what he said. We didn't even read it. That's what he said to Joshua. He said, Joshua, you're going to lead them. I will make you great. You see, but God will use you to do something that will promote you in the eyes of men. So that men will say, oh, Jojo, wow. Is that the son of Sir? Wow. Man, what happened with him? He looks different. No, he doesn't look different. He just looks different in your eyes. But God is working with him. He's become obedient. And now his image changes in the eyes of the people. It's a God thing. Woo. When I rock my door in the evenings and I said, Lord, I just spoke to so-and-so over the telephone. And Lord... They think I'm a this and they think I'm a that. And Lord, only I, only you and I know I'm not really that big. But God, what must I do? God says, don't tell them. Don't, you just shut up. I'll tell you one more story and then it's over. Because we need to arrive some, time, some point in time on the other side. I want to arrive on the other side. I want to land now. I want to go home, man. I'm tired. I got a call from a pastor, a very upscale place. It's a man that was actually kind of against me, and then he was for me. And uh, he was one of the guys who heard about the tent. And he invited me. So here I am on his platform. Man, my cart is falling all over the place here. Jesus, help me. It's a mess over here tonight. Yeah, help me, Jojo. Take this as well. Come up here and help me, brother. Thank you, Lord. Do something for God, brother. <laughs> Okay. You know what happened? He called me, and uh, I was in this great church on a Sunday morning. I stood there. I'm going to preach there. I mean, they would never have invited me, but they heard about my stone, my tent. So here I stood on the platform, and they go through the motions, and they sing their songs, and everything is so prim and proper. And I stood there. I said, Lord Jesus, I'm not sure I fit in here. And the Lord says, no, you fit in here. I said, Lord, but this is, oh, God, how did I get here? The Lord says, because of that tent that you bought. <laughs> I said, Lord, I said, Lord, but they think I'm mighty, Lord. I'm not mighty, Lord. Lord says, don't you worry. I'm painting a picture of who you are, and you just shut up. Don't you mess up what I'm building here. So I'm going to preach in this church a series of five meetings. And before I preach my first sermon, the pastor bent over. He says, Pastor Andre, we want you to give us another date after the service. We would like to have another series of meetings with you. I said, oh, God, I already have an invitation to come back, and I haven't even preached my first sermon. I said, Lord, what are you doing? The Lord says, shut up. I'm painting a picture. Of who you are. It's amazing. It's amazing what God can do for you when you become faithful and you say, okay, God, I'm going to put my feet in the water. I'm going to lose my balance, but I'm going to trust you that I will not drown, but I will get to the other side. And God says, no man can get you to the other side. There's no way you can get to the other side. That's why God says, pick up a stone. So do you have evidence that you came through the Jordan? And when they see the stone, they will say, where did you get that kind of stone? He will say, you only get that when you are faithful. You only get that when you go through the Jordan. You don't find that everywhere. That you only find in the middle of your testing and your trial. You find it nowhere else. Wow. I don't know how to end this. If you say tonight, Pastor Andre, 
I want to ask the Lord to give me the spiritual ability to embrace this whole word because there's so many nuggets that I have thrown at you. I can end with a crossover. I can end with the stones. I can end with so many things. But God says, why don't you just take it all and say to the Holy Spirit, remind me of what I heard tonight. So that, you see, church, you see, I cannot build you a memorial. I cannot do it. I'm not respons responsible to build a memorial for the city. But I'm also not responsible to build a memorial for your family. Jojo and his wife is responsible for their family. Pastor Brown is responsible for his family. But in a corporate sense, this church is responsible for the city. So we all have different kind of responsibilities. But God says, trust me. I will help you to cross over. I will never allow you to be humiliated. And when you get to the other side, you will have a new business. You will have a business that's expanded. And you will walk in a favor you've never walked in before. I am the Lord and my promises is not empty. I am extremely addicted to your faith. And if you get your feet on the water and you start to walk on the edge... I will not allow you to fall down. I will bring you to the other side safe and sound with a testimony like you've never had before. In Jesus' name.